That's a heavy interview, Jeff and Jer. I mean, they owned the market at that time. So to be honest with you, I, I interviewed with them twice and didn't get the job either time. <laughs> so one time they were over at Q106, which was a, a top 40 station for a right. little while. And they were the morning show there. They were looking for somebody. And I walk in to do the interview and both of them are dressed up in drag. <laughs> and they did that because they wanted to see how you would react. Get out. You know, they like, dressed up in drag just for the interview. Oh, my for the God. interview. It was crazy. It was the craziest thing. <laughs> and I rolled with it. I thought I handled it pretty well, but I still didn't get the job. Ben's Town President Dave Chachi Dennis loves radio and all of his radio friends. Hey, Chachi. Hey, everybody. Because Chachi loves everybody. <laughs> My next guest has been named the best morning show by the San Diego Union Tribune's Reader's Poll for six years in a row. Please welcome Eddie Papani, the host of the show on the Rock 105.3 in San Diego and Q1033 in Temecula. Eddie, so good to see you, man. What's up, my friend? I just ran into Eddie a couple weeks ago at Morning Show Boot Camp, and uh, it was just so cool to see you because we've known each other, and this blows my mind, but for 25 years. It has gone by so incredibly quick and it's just been really cool to see your career completely take off. And we first met in San Diego and to be back in San Diego after doing a little bit of a whirlwind tour, which we'll get into it here in a few minutes to have such incredible success. Six years in a row, uh, San Diego Union Tribune readers voted you the best morning show. Yeah, honestly, those kind of accolades, they are really cool and they, they sort of uh, are a lot more meaningful because they're voted by the readers of the newspaper and sure. so or, or online or whatever it is you know however you consume news these days um, and so the people vote and so that that means the world to me and the the fact that we just keep getting nominated and keep winning that award is really cool it's really special and especially in such a competitive market I think some of the best radio in the country is out of San Diego and I think in j- just to give people a little bit obviously everyone knows where San Diego is but it's very close to Tijuana so there's actually a lot of radio stations that are coming in from Tijuana into San Diego so it's a very over radioed market I can't remember the exact amount of sticks down there but I think there's 60 plus something like that oh yeah it's crazy yeah it is it's a very competitive market always has been and honestly it goes back to you know the days when, when we were working together and stuff like that. And there has been some real amazing and still are some amazing legends that are on the air. So just to get a little piece of that pie is, is really cool. It feels sure. great. And such a wonderful, just beautiful market. But before we uh, go more into San Diego and what you're doing there, tell me a little bit about growing up in Gilroy. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I come from a, a small town, Gilroy, California, uh, the garlic capital of the world. Very proud of that. Um, yeah, and, <laughs> and if you've not really, driven through Gilroy, it hits you like a wall. You smell it, that garlic. People don't get it, man. I'll, you'll say it's the garlic capital of the world, but unless you really, and that's the only thing, you're never really stopping in Gilroy. You're going through, <laughs> if you're going up north to San Francisco or to San Jose or whatever, you kind of have to go through Gilroy uh, on the 101 or whatever. And uh, yeah, it does. It hits you. It smacks you right in the face. And it's great. Living there, though, I never noticed it because you kind of get, you know, nose blind. To right. It. And uh, I never noticed it until I left and then came back and was like, wow, it really does smell like garlic. But yeah, no, it was a it's a really smaller town and uh, just just lived the regular sort of lifestyle, uh, you know, going to school there and, you know, hanging out and all that stuff. And I, I really didn't have a, a, a path in life 
picked out. I, I just was sort of going through the motions and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life after high school. And I just assumed, all right, well, I guess I'll go to the junior college there in Gilroy and try to figure it out. At one point I thought, oh, maybe I'll be a police officer. I, I mean, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, I, I don't know if this personality would have would have been great for, for being a cop or just joking around too much. Um, and so uh, I had a friend who was already sort of in radio and he's you know, a couple years older than me. And he was in the business a little bit and he started talking to me about, you know, you're really funny. You should, you know, look into this sort of thing and, you know, maybe write some bits and, you know, try that out. And I did. And I I thought it was cool hearing it come from the page to the airwaves. I thought that was a really cool thing. And then sort of took off from there. That's incredible. What stations did you grow up listening to? Like stations from Fresno or? No, it was San Jose. San Jose is the closest sort of bigger city um, to me. And so I grew up. Uh, listening to KSJO, which was cool because eventually got to work at that station. Oh, that um, is cool. For for a rock guy, you know, it was kind of a legendary station sure. in the Bay Area. And then there was a KOME, which was uh, a wild station in the Bay Area because they were really hard rock and really attitude and all that stuff. So as a kid, I always thought that was really super cool. So and you gravitated... Did you kind of grow up listening to like alternative? Was that kind of your? Yeah, I was mainly a rock guy. I've always been a rock guy. Um, So I always loved listening to like Van Halen and, and uh, you know, those type of bands, but I, I, my musical taste really varied. And so I listened to top 40, top 40 radio station there at the time was KWSS. Um, And then I could hear a little bit of the San Francisco stations, um, you know, from where I lived. So yeah, I I would bounce around, listen to a few different kinds of- Yeah, so you were getting some major market radio, even though you grew up in a small town, you were getting exposed to some great, you know, fantastic radio. Absolutely, absolutely. The station that your friend asked you to write for, what station was that? That was KWSS. Oh, geez, that's cool. Yeah, there was a morning show there, and I think he was the producer at the time or something like that, and he just knew that, you know- I was a goofy guy and, you know, was funny and stuff like that. And so he, he came up with a couple ideas, told me to write some bits, and I did. And they actually used them, and that's what sort of got me the bug. You know, of like, I'm oh, sure. Okay. What was that like hearing something that you wrote uh, on the air? It was great. You know, you know, you talk to different artists and stuff like that, and they have that moment when they hear their song for the first time. And they're right. like, oh, my. And even though they've probably, you know, played it a million times, or but when you hear something on the radio – that's when it becomes reality. And so, yeah, being able to write something and thinking whatever, it's goofy and whatever, and then be able to perform it, then I, that's what really gives you sort of the bug of going like, oh, okay, this is an actual thing. This is kind of an art form. Yeah, and it's thought, almost oh, like it's great. a high, right? That whole feeling. For and, sure. Yeah, I, I completely and I'm get sure that. You, you know, when I was growing up, I watched Saturday Night Live and all that stuff. Yeah. And knowing that how that kind of process is too of being a writer and then seeing the actors perform it it sort of made sense to me like that and i was like oh this is crazy completely completely it's funny i grew up listening or watching conan o'brien and some of the bits and we're actually releasing this podcast at the same time as sona movisian who is conan o'brien's assistant and she was talking a bit about the show and how they put that together or she he's not doing a television show but when he was doing a tv show and it is in a lot of ways like these radio bits that they're writing and uh i completely get the parallels now if my memory, and it's been 25 years, but I seem to recall that your father installed CBs in airplanes. Am I getting that? Well, yeah. He, he, he had a whole avionics business up at the San Jose airport and uh, did that for 
gosh, I don't know, 40, 50 years, something like that. And so uh, once 9-11 happened, that kind of crushed his business quite a bit. Oh, so really? Because there wasn't uh, as many people flying um, yeah, like personal honestly, aircraft? Yeah, I, I never really you know, broke down exactly what exactly happened, but I think that's okay. the crux of it, of what uh, smashed the business. But, um, but yeah, he, he did avionics in, in airplanes for many, many years and um, then ended up retiring. And once I moved down here and, with my wife and started having kids – of course, they navigated down to San Diego. Oh, that's great. Grandkids. So, yeah, they live down here now. Was there any pressure to follow in his footsteps, or was he pretty supportive, your parents, of going down the radio path? It's funny you say that because uh, there was one summer that he had me come work at the business, and he had me doing all kinds of cataloging and all these parts and all this stuff. Right. And I couldn't care less. <laughs> I would go back in the storage room and I'm supposed to be doing all this inventory and stuff like that. And I just lay down and I'd take a nap. You know? <laughs> it, was, it was so boring to me. And you know, us radio guys, our brains, they just work differently. And so sure. like doing cataloging and inventory and all, it just, that was not for me. And, you know, I, I was sort of thought that the, avionics and flying part of it was cool. But again, I, I don't even know how to change my own oil. So let alone <laughs> fixing, you know, uh, an airplane that was so foreign to me. And so I think he recognized right away. I don't know if the kid has got the chops for this. And so, um, you know, when I said, uh, you know what, I think I'm going to, you know, attempt to get into this business and, you know, try it out. They were pretty supportive of it. And they sort of knew, you know, this is a goofy guy. And, you know, he seems to have a knack for wanting to talk to people and talk, you know, and perform and things like that. So they, they were very supportive of it. And prob- probably best that no one's lives were at your, your fingertips. <laughs> very smart. Yeah, that was not, would not have worked well. <laughs> so you start off uh, in the early 90s, you're writing bits. And in 92, you go to uh, NESE radio network uh, in Rochester as yeah. the morning show producer and sidekick. That's a big yeah. move. So you're going from so, Gilroy across the country. It was wild, man, to be honest with you. Uh, so again, what happened was, is, you know, I'm kind of getting interested in it. That same friend, he got a job out at in Rochester. And this was a brand new startup radio network. It was called Northeast Satellite Entertainment. And so uh, it was a kind of a syndication type company that before there was any other syndicated companies out there was, it was really ahead of its time so much so that they weren't really sure about what they were doing yet. Right. So they were kind of figuring it out. So they had a lot of little markets in the Northeast, like a, like a Bath, New York and, you know, Erie, Pennsylvania. And so they had all these kind of smaller markets. Yeah. And so um, that's, that's where we were targeting all around the Northeast and so we were all over the place in Massachusetts and, you know, upstate New York, all these different places. And um, they were looking for everything. They were hiring for everything. It was a brand new company. And so I don't know how I got in there. And, event, you know, eventually I started out as, a, as an intern and I quickly worked my way into a, a job. And I got, they placed me on the morning show with a host named Robert Craig Savage. And this guy was awesome, man, for my career because he really kind of showed me the ropes. I knew nothing. I didn't know how to run a board. I didn't know how to record anything. You know, I didn't know anything of the actual business of the technical aspect of it. So he showed me everything and kind of taught me how to get in and out of breaks and that sort of thing. So I did a bunch of goofy voices for him and 
you know, organize things for him. This is back when there was carts. So I right, would right. carts for him, CDs and all that stuff. De-gaussing. De- so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, so I, I had all those kind of duties and, and it was great. It was fun. It was, I was there for uh, almost two years. And that, and that sort of, I looked at it as this is my college, you know, it's sure. like I'm, I just graduated high school. I was only out of, out of school for not even a year. And I got this opportunity. And I said, you know what? If I were to go away across, you know, to the Northeast for a college, it'd sort of be the same thing. And so I said, you know what? I'll look at this as a growing experience. This will be sort of like my college. I'm going to learn radio and, and go out there and see what happens. And it was, it was really cool. What an incredible experience. Were you scared to pick up and move across the country? I mean, you're young. I mean, I didn't even know how to write a check. And so, you know, I mean, like, I remember I went to go pay my rent and I was like, man, I don't, I got to call my parents. I don't even know how to fill out a checkbook. I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I'm like 19 years old. I didn't know anything. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And it was, it was interesting times, man, because, you know, I wasn't making any money, of course. And there was, there were some tough times where, you know, I mean, I was living on peanut butter and jelly for a week and, right. uh, you know, I mean, it was just sort of the way it goes, but I loved the business. I, I immediately was love at first sight. And I was like, man, this is really what I think I want to do uh, for my career. And I, I got to figure this out. And, and I did. And it was, it was cool. I think, you know, we're of a certain breed radio people and to take that type of leap and to go, I I think a lot of people look at us like you're crazy to pick up and move across the country for an internship and to go and, you know, be in the snow and, you know, Rochester, it's it's a fine market, but not exactly the the most temperate. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm a California boy, you know, like I said, born and raised in California. I didn't have the right shoes. I didn't have the right jacket. <laughs> I didn't know how to drive in it. Like that was a whole scene like me. And then, you know, I'm doing the morning show and I'd, so I'd go, you know, whatever it was four thirty in the morning and I'm driving to work and I didn't know what black ice was. And so it would, you know, freeze the, the freeway would freeze and then the snow would go on top of it. So you don't see it coming. So I'm driving and then all of a sudden you hit a patch of black ice and I'm doing a three sixty on the freeway. Luckily, you know, there's nobody on the road at that time. Right. So I didn't hit anybody, but I mean, it was, it was an adjustment, man. Oh man. So you get a gig after you leave Rochester uh, and you end up at KCBQ San Diego, which yeah, uh, you happen to be at now, obviously in that market. So how did you end up there at KCBQ? So uh, got hired as the morning show producer there. And um, I, I didn't know at the time what a legendary, uh, what legendary call letters KCBQ right. was in the market. I mean, they, they had been around, you know, for decades. And we had some amazing talent there, including Shotgun Tom Kelly in the sure. afternoons. And I mean, he's obviously a, a Radio Hall of Famer. And I, I, I wasn't from San Diego at the time, so I had no idea who Shotgun Tom was. I didn't know who these legends were, uh, Rich Brother Robin, like right. all these guys. And I'm like, what's, you know, and, and we were a classic rock station. They, well, they called it Modern Oldies, which I still don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> but, but we were basically a classic rock station. And so I didn't know the music. And so I'm, it really introduced me to a lot of the music, like, you know, the Eagles and things like that, that I, I'm a fan now of, sure. but I didn't really know it at the time. And so I was, I was really digging it. And, um, that time again, I wasn't making any money. So I had to work two jobs. I, I was morning show producer and I worked in our promotions department. And oh, wow. so a lot of times I would do the whole morning show 
get off and then go run a promotion where I'm setting up the tent, setting up the sound system, sure. the whole thing. I mean, one time I remember we were doing a broadcast from the Del Mar Fair, San Diego County Fair now, where I would do the morning show and then I'd go work the night shift at the San Diego County Fair with Shaka Tom. And so I was pulling 18 hour days, 15 hour days. And I mean, it was brutal, but those were the things you kind of had to do to make your way in the business. It's funny. I look back at some of those times as well, when I was going to school and, you know, uh, working with you at, uh, at star and how I pulled off those, you know, all those hours, but somehow we were able to make it work. I'm sure youth is part of it, but also just the energy that you got from the radio station, from the staff, there was something I think you fed off of that energized. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I I loved it. And and that was the thing is back then, you know, I was so new into the business I didn't know any different. And I was like, man, this is just fun. It's not like work for me. And so I didn't care. I was like, put me in as much as you can. And plus, you know, the overtime didn't hurt. Sure, sure. And to get an education from Shotgun Tom and Rich Brother Robin, I mean, you couldn't ask for better professors. Yeah. And so from there, you stay in San Diego and you go to Z90. And uh, Z, which is obviously still around in, in a powerhouse to this day, and our good friend R-Dub is the program director there. Uh, yeah. Fill me in how, uh, how did that change? And that all of a sudden, and, and Z at that point was at CHR, correct? They were massive, yes. Yeah. And when I tell people I worked at Z90, nobody can make that connection. Because, you know, <laughs> I've been, I've been on, on rock radio for, I don't know, however many years, 20 years now. And so they were like, you were on Z90? And I'm like, yeah, for a year, I went over to Z90. Uh, it was a morning show named Mark in La Manana. Okay. And he was looking for kind of like a sidekick. They, there was a right. producer there. And so this was the first time I wasn't really a producer. I was more of an on-air talent. And same sort of thing. I was always doing goofy voices and I could do some impressions and things like that. And he loved that. And so that was sort of my main thing was to do voices and characters for him. I would come up with like actual characters that were, you know, not impressions. So I would I would be our janitor and I named him Loomis. <laughs> and Loomis would come in and bother Mark. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Laugh. You know, I love- and so uh, it, w- it was a blast, man. I actually had a lot of fun there. And he gave me a lot of creative freedom to do sort of whatever right. I wanted. And, and I also did sports for him, too. So I think was, that producing fun. adds so much dimension. I remember what a brilliant job Ralph used to do for Kevin and Bean and the different voices oh, yeah. that he would do. Was oh, just crazy. Yeah, it was some of the highlights I felt of the show. So did Without you enjoy doubt. being on air uh, more than writing or you kind of liked him equally? What did you uh, prefer? Yeah, you know, I, I never, you know, I will always a, was a behind the scenes guy. You know, I mean, I, I did not have a problem with, you know, not being the name on the show and all that different stuff. Uh, I, I didn't mind being the behind the scenes guy and then being a guy who could come in and maybe throw a little sniper joke here and there. Right. Um, that, that was that was my bag. And I was like, this is great. And then I, I do have a little bit of a, a talent for voices and things like that. And so w- when they were able to utilize that, I was like, this is this is really fun. And so. Back then, we would write like full on scripts and things like that. So we'd have a back and forth, you know, so he'd be able to communicate with whoever, whichever voice I was doing. And we'd put it in the can and then he'd, you know, run it uh, whenever he wanted to. And so we, we would do that quite a bit on that show in particular. At that time, Z90 owned the market. They had this gigantic bus. Uh, it was looked like a tour bus, basically, and you would drive it around, or they would someone from the promotions department would drive this thing around. I actually assume you'd need a special license to drive it. And 
and go to all these events. But I remember seeing that bus and just being like so envious of that thing. It, it was wild, man. That was a wild time because I, I mean, again, I would do things like club nights and things like me that I would never, you would never picture me at some hip hop club, but I'm hope they're hosting, getting people, you know, going crazy. And uh, yeah, I mean, we had, we had a great time and it was a really fun year of my life. And now it was, it was a very different situation. Um, I, I wasn't really that embraced by a lot of the staff and, and the programmers there. They didn't really get me which I, I, I didn't really care because it was really just me and Mark and we would work together and I was really enjoying it. But it was definitely a different experience than anything I've ever had in radio. Interesting. I'm sure it's a lot different now. Do you think it was it just was kind of a, a fort being that you were more of a rock guy and it was a, you know, I don't know. They just, I don't think, I don't think you look at me and you, it screams Z90. <laughs> and so uh, I don't know, man. They just, I just don't think they, they saw this kid come in and they're like, what is this guy all about? Well, like, I'm glad that it didn't, it didn't work out for you there because we would have never met if, if it had. So uh, you end up at Star right smack in the dab when I'm there um, in yeah. uh, 97, which was I think back at that time in my life is just one of the best times and probably the most special radio station I've ever worked for uh, at that moment in time. Um, so who did, was it Tracy that hired you? So what had happened was I had worked with Kim Leeds, who was our uh, promotions director right. at KCBQ. So she was my promotions director and I was working under her at KCBQ. So we always knew each other and she loved her to death, to be honest with you. And I, and I don't know where my career would be without her. And she does. I don't even know if she knows this, but she kept throwing my name out there. So I had a few interviews at Star before I actually got hired. So Jeff and Jer at one point, they were looking for an assistant producer and I went in and I met with the guys and uh, did the whole round of interviews and I didn't get the job. Sure, that's, then, a, that's a heavy interview, Jeff and Jer. I mean, they owned the market at that time. So to be honest with you, I, I interviewed with them twice and didn't get the job either time. <laughs> so one time they were over at Q106, which was a, a top 40 station for a right. little while. And they were the morning show there. They were looking for somebody. And I walk in to do the interview, and both of them are dressed up in drag. <laughs> and they did that because they wanted to see how you would react. Get out. You know, they like, dressed up in drag just for the interview. Oh, my God. For the God. interview. It was, cra- it was the craziest thing. <laughs> and I rolled with it. I thought I handled it pretty well, but I still didn't get the job. <laughs> Uh, and then the second time I went in and I interviewed, I really thought I nailed it, to be honest with you. Tracy Johnson was in uh, the interview process, and it was Jeff and Jared. And I think Tommy was in there, little oh Tommy my. as well. I, and, I feel for you. That must have been such a tough interview, though, because I, Tracy's you know, sense of humor is twisted. It's and, pretty intimidating. Yeah, it was pretty totally. intimidating. And uh, Jerry and I hit it off. We were talking about writing movie scripts and something that he was interested in. And, um, I thought Jeff and I really, you know, hit it off pretty well. And I thought I was going to get that job and I didn't. And so I was pretty surprised, but it got me in front of Tracy and Tracy remembered me and a, a job came up where they were looking again for a producer for the midday show, which was Greg Sims and Anita Rush. Right. And my name popped up again and they brought me in and gave me a shot. And I was there for shoot three, almost four years. 
And that was an amazing run. And that midday show was number one far and away in the market. It did so incredibly well. Greg has gone on to, well, you've obviously gone into incredible success, but Greg is doing wonderful. He's uh, here in LA, oh, does afternoons great. on, on K earth. And I think he's on in San Diego too. Correct. I think, uh, I think so, yeah. Greg does one of the shifts, uh, down there. Um, and, uh, you did that. What was that like? Because now you've done rock, you've done CHR and this was, you know, hot AC right in the middle of Lilith fair. So, yeah. you know, the playlist was, yeah, Sarah McLaughlin. Lynn, Meredith yeah. Brooks, Alanis Morissette. Yeah. Well, as you know, Chachi, I look back so fondly on those days as easily the funnest time I've had in radio. And that was because I didn't have to wake up in the mornings. And because I didn't have to wake up and do the morning show, <laughs> I was in my 20s. Right. I was partying every single night and not have to wake up early and coming in. And I mean, it was, I mean, we put on some of the funnest events you know, we had uh, Jagger and Christie in the afternoon, which you were uh, one of the producers on, and they would hold hold these different like singles cruises. Those and were so much fun. Cruises. And I'd go on those and just be like, this is the greatest <laughs> yeah, thing in the it world. It was the greatest what thing in the world. <laughs> like, this is amazing. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I had a blast. I never yeah. wanted to leave, honestly. I was having so much fun and we put on such incredible events like yeah. our uh, World to Your Hero roller coaster event where people stayed on that thing for 72 days. It made the and- t- Tonight Show. You brought up uh, Kim Leeds and being so influential in your career, and she was instrumental in these promotions. And literally, uh, World to Your Hero, the first year we did it, the uh, winners got onto the Tonight Show with uh, Jay Leno at the time, which was it was get, crazy, man. Yeah, national press like that was unbelievable. It was crazy. Yeah, it and really so was. we would broadcast down by our roller coaster, which is down by the water. Every day. And so my job for the entire summer was to go down to the beach and broadcast live every single day. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. I never want to leave this job. It's so much fun. And so eventually my job morphed a little bit. I wasn't just going to be a midday producer, which I don't even know. I mean, that's not even really a thing, you know? I mean, so, every show, uh, you literally were, you know, mornings were Jeff and Jer and they had their whole team right. around them. And then middays were you and Anita and Greg. And then afternoons was Jagger and Christy. And I mean, it was team shows. Imagine that today. It, I don't it, know. It was station. wild. It yeah. was a wild time. And so eventually Greg left. And so it was me and Anita and I was sort of became Anita's sidekick. And I would do a, a lot of, uh, on the street call-ins and things like that. And I was a pseudo promotions guy, even though I wasn't in the promotions department, but all my buddies were in the promotions department. So I'd roll out to events and help them set up. And even though I wasn't getting paid for it, I was just loving it. You know, I would do that sort of things. And then eventually they needed help with production. So I would do some production. I was sort of, I had my hands in sort of everything at that radio station. And at one point, Tracy said, well, I think you're, uh, going to be the producer of the station. And I go, I don't know what that means, Tracy. Right. He goes, well, you know, we have Chachi who's going to be the producer. So if he needs anything, talk to him. Obviously we have little Tommy in the morning. If he needs anything, talk to him. And I'm like, but they're there. Like, what, what does that mean for me? I don't know what that means. I didn't get it, but you know, so I had my hands look kind of like in everything at that radio station, which was great. But eventually you know, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this in a second. I, I got offered a really cool job. I went into Tracy and I said, Tracy, you know, I got this job offer. I don't really want to take it because I love it here so much. What do you think? And he looked me dead in my in my eyes and says, no, take it. And I was stunned. I was like, 
like, do you not want me here? And he goes, no, no, no. I love you, Eddie. You're incredible talent. But that's the problem is you have so much bigger things ahead of you that you're wasting your time here. And I, I never had anybody tell me that before. And I, and I didn't know, am I like, is he insulting me or does he really not want me here? I, I couldn't figure it out because he was telling me to go. And looking back at that now, and I told Tracy this back at morning show bootcamp, we were just chatting. I said, I owe you so much to my career because you could have been selfish and said, no, we like you stay. And I would have kind of floundered and I don't know where I would have gone, but me leaving led to so many more things and, and led to where I am now. And it was because he told me there's nothing for you here. Go. And I did. I mean, what a phenomenal story and thank you for sharing it and what incredible counsel he gave you. And he actually gave me something very similar, but to leave a nest that was so comfortable oh. like Star at that era yeah. where you yeah. the station really could do no wrong. And it just was this energy that I don't think I've ever really been able to fully recapture. I've had glimpses of it, but it was just this creative outlet and this force. But to pick up and leave, and you're right, he could have held you and said, no, stay here and offer you a few bucks extra, but it would not have been the right thing for your career and for you personally to evolve. You're right. And to but grow. I will say this against Tracy. So I end up taking this other job. I signed the contract. I'm done. So, you know, I was putting in my two weeks with about four days left to go, he comes to me and he goes, I have something for you. Oh, jeez, I don't know What this. do you think if, yeah, no, I, I don't really think anybody really knows this that, at, that worked out there at that time. He goes, what do you think I may, if I made you the operations manager of both Star and KFMB AM? I'm like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And he goes, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about it. And, you know, we could maybe make you more on the programming side and operations manager. You know, I can have you do this, this and this. And I go, Tracy, why didn't you tell me this two weeks ago when I came to you? I said, I already signed the contract. I go, I, I would love that job. That sounds amazing. And again, I don't know where my career would have gone if I would have gone down that programming route. You know, I hopefully would have had your success, but I don't know. You know, I don't know if I was cut out to be a programmer or what a twist. I never and knew this story. Chachi. And, and so I, I turned it down. I said, Tracy, I've already agreed to take this other job. I can't go back on it. I don't want to go back on my word. And he totally understood. He goes, oh, yeah, I don't sure. want you to do that. He goes, but. I just, I, I was thinking about it. I came up with this idea. I thought this would be cool and I wanted to present it to you. And I go, no, Tracy, I can't do it. But, what a twist. And that job yeah. was the Eagle in Dallas, right? You went there to yes. go be the morning show producer and co-host. So, I mean, it was yes. obviously a huge opportunity to, to go to Dallas. And so did you say no right there and then, or did you think about it for a night? No, I said no right there and then. Um, cause I think it was only like a couple days before I actually signed the contract. And so I had a deal in place. And so I go, well, I can't, I can't back out of a contract. I go, I signed it. And you know, I feel like I'm a man of my word and yeah. I already agreed to take the job and that's some serious in integrity on your part. I'm not sure uh, if no, I would have been as tough. strong as you. It was tough, dude. Yeah, I could imagine. I could imagine. Yeah. So you pick up, you go to Dallas. Um, you know, you're now used to moving a bit, so you're a little bit more of a temperate climate. It's not Rochester, at least. No. 
But Thank Dallas you. is now another market that's just incredibly competitive. Some amazing Whole new world, man. Yeah. What was in 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 very different in a lot of ways than San Diego. So what was that change like? Well, it was tough. So uh, I was excited because this is a major market and a huge opportunity at a major heritage rock station again there. It, you know, and I, I was pretty excited about it. Now we were following Stern. So Stern had been on that station before us. Oh. And there was a couple other DJs in the building who were vying for the morning show while we got hired. And so in the building, we weren't welcomed with open arms because there was people who wanted that job, people who supported their friends right. to get that job. And we were these outsider California boys coming in to Texas and they don't look at Californians uh, very highly. Right. And so it took a minute to get entrenched in the building. So we had to win over the building first, which was very difficult. And then we had to win over the audience. That's, and a, so, that's a big undertaking, especially to ultimately tough. replace Stern. Yeah, it was very tough. And so we were able to do so. And we, it was a, you got to think about radio and the year 2000 because Stern was king. Right. And, and it was a different time where you could get away with literally anything you wanted. Now, I'm coming from Star, where, you know, we're all, you know, soccer moms and, you know, right. the happy people <laughs> in the world. To rock radio in Dallas, where they basically say, do whatever you want. So every Friday we would have whatever local strip club, we'd have the girls come in and dance in the studio with a studio audience. And we'd have uh, whatever beer company bring a keg of beer. And so we called it Free Beer Friday. And we'd literally sit there and drink all morning long while there were strippers in the studio. It was I mean, coming from Star, which is the most wholesome station you can name, to this debauchery was (laughs) wild. I mean, it was absolutely wild. And so my head was spinning. I had no idea. And I'm, you know, the producer, so I got to set it up with the clubs. And I'm doing all this. (laughs) And I'm like trying to explain them. Well, yeah, no, we want girls at 8 a.m. in the studio. And they're like, okay. And so it was it was just a different wild time man in in radio and in my life honestly it was crazy what an incredible experience and didn't Beth go with you as well cuz she went to Dallas around the same time uh no i don't think so okay i think that was a no that was she was she there you know what she might have been there for a short time for a short time at the very beginning i yes, remember but- i had happened to be in dallas i was working at uh, kbigan coast at the time we were getting new jingles done at jam and i was in a store and i ran into beth like just randomly in dallas which was just kind of like this you know very bizarre coincidence but uh, very crazy. i remember just thinking about and i knew you were there at the time and her there and just you know what i mean that's a big jump going into dallas and that you know, that pressure that comes with it. And then I didn't realize just what a change the day to day was. I mean, I know we look at it now and there's certainly things are very different, you know, 20 plus years later, but to be in that energy and as chaotic as it was still had to have been crazy, but a little bit fun. I've got to imagine. Oh, it was, it was amazing time. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of very fond memories of it. I have a lot of tough memories. Um, We were on the air at the time of nine 11. Oh, and no so kidding. When, when the planes were hitting the building, we were on the air live. 
And so that's that's obviously something that will always be entrenched in me and, and something sure. that I think about, obviously, every September um, when it comes around. I'm thinking that I was, I was on the air, and we stayed on the air past uh, our air shift because people obviously were freaking out and concerned. I was in a high-rise building, and so the panic at that time of us just thinking, like, what the world's coming to an end. Like, we, we could get hit any second. Like, this is unbelievable. And obviously, we're in a major city. Like, we had no idea what was going on. What did so, you do? Because you're uh, – and at that time in the mornings, were you playing much music? Were you guys playing no, – or was it we almost all talk? almost exclusively a talk show. Okay. I'm trying to remember the time because we, we transitioned. We played a little bit of music, and then at some point, we did transition to a full talk show. Um, so I think at that time, we were a full talk show. And so, yeah, we, we just continued to stay on and update and talk people through it. And, you know, talk about our own feelings about what was going on. And, I mean, we had no idea. what At that time, nobody really knew exactly what was happening. Right. Uh, when the first plane hit, remember, the first report was that it was a prop plane. I and remember so, that. You know, people weren't even sure exactly what the deal was. thought and it was so, a mistake. Yeah. It was yeah. an accident. And so um, it wasn't until that second plane hit that we were really like, this is bad. This is, you know, some, something bad is going on right now. And so, yeah, we to go from on, a, oh. you know, a fun edgy show to all of a sudden right. have to go to something so serious, I'm sure was, I mean, not only incredibly terrible to witness and to see and just such a horrendous, uh, um, tragedy for, for humanity yeah. as a whole, but that must've been, I mean, just a very, very bizarre day. You know, it, I, I leaned back to my experience on star, of a lot of the things we did were community involved and we would be there for people and we'd have so many people come up to us and say, you were our friend during such and such time, uh, any kind of tragic situation. I mean, Jeff and Jared were amazing when it came to that kind of stuff, right. you know, when it would come to the Gulf war or whatever fires or anything, uh, you know, that would happen. They were the community voice and so I really did learn a lot from my time with those guys and learn how, you know, we're not here just to, you know, tell goofy jokes and whatever. We are actually a lot of these people's friends, even though we don't know them. Right. And they do turn to us in times of tragedy and look for our voice in what we are saying. And so I had to, like, change gears a little bit and go, okay, well, we are being this goofy, edgy, crazy show. And now we have to sort of change gears a little bit and be there for the community. And, and we worked, we did a pretty good job. I wasn't on the air, uh, but I was working at K big and coast. And I remember Mark Wallengren who was on the air at coast and he called, uh, and basically filled me in on what was going on. That was kind of my wake up and I came racing down, down here. Uh, but it was just what an intense day. And, uh, to think back about how radio handled it, I think as a whole, the industry did a phenomenal job. And yeah, I agree. Uh, did a great job informing certainly the the country as a whole, and uh, helped I think you know hopefully um, soothe uh, the listeners as best as possible. From Dallas, uh, you go back to San Jose, and uh, you end up at uh, KSJO. Tell me about that gig. So well, this was a pretty wild situation. So it was a I always felt my two years in Dallas was a battle. We were always battling, trying, like I said, went over the building, went over the audience, try and get a, a niche and try to, you know, scratch and claw. And it was always, I always never felt fully comfortable or fully entrenched in that market. And I'll never forget it. The day that we got let go, we got a new program director 
And this new program director, he decided, you know what? I'm going to bring in my buddies who I work with. He was coming over from, I want to say Houston or something like that. And he had a morning show there that he wanted to work with. So he brings these two guys in and we get let go. Well, the day we get let go, the ratings come out. And that was the first time ever we were the number one show. In no Dallas. way. And that was the day we got fired. Oh, my and God. I, I was stunned. I was like, wow, like we finally did it. We finally made our way and we finally became number one. And we just and that's when we get fired. And I was like, wow, that is brutal. That's and incredible. So, and they never thought twice about it. They just No, I mean, with all this program director, he just wanted to work with his buddies. He didn't care that we started to see some rating success. He didn't care really any about anything other than wanting to work with his friends. And that's how radio is sometimes. Sure. It doesn't matter how good you're doing. It doesn't matter. It's the preference of the programmer. Right. And we right. learned his preference. We weren't his cup of tea. And so we got fired the day that we became number one in Dallas. And well, so to say that you became number one in Dallas is still an amazing accomplishment. It was cool. It was an, it was an accomplishment and all that stuff. And, you know, the thing that I, I will counsel other and mentor other jocks and other personalities in the business is everything does happen for a reason. And the, the situation that star happened for a reason with, with Tracy sending me on my way, what happened in Dallas happened for a reason because after that, the Heritage Morning Show at KSJO, who had been there for 20-some years, they decided to go up to San Francisco. It was Lamont and Tonelli. Sure. Legendary. Legendary show. Uh, they've been at KSJO forever. They decided they were going to take a job in San Francisco. So it left this giant gaping hole at KSJO, which it was perfect timing. We slid right in. This is our hometown. This is, this is where I grew up. This is my radio station. And we got hired as the morning show at KSJO, and I couldn't have been happier. It was the first time ever in my career that my family could actually listen to what I do for a living. And my friends that I went to high school with, I mean, I was hearing from everybody. It was crazy. By the way, I think you guys, what are those? I think they're smoke jumpers where the fire department will drop in the firefighters right into the middle of the fire because you get dropped into the Eagle to replace Howard Stern. And now you get dropped into KSJO to replace Lamont and Tonelli. Yes. I mean, mean, it was, it's always been a battle for me. I'm always, I'm always like, nothing's coming easy, man. I gotta, you know, get in there. Now, luckily being hometown guy, it really did help. And you know, knowing the area, knowing all the different things I could talk about, um, it made the transition a lot easier. Sure. And so we, sure. we and, were and to be, I mean, did you live now? How far were you from Gilroy at this point? So, I, I, so San Jose is about 20 minutes uh, north of Gilroy. Oh, so you're, I mean, you're literally right there. It's basically. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, it, I, I, I mean, I know it like the back of my hand. And so, um, you know, the fact that I have, I mean, all my family was still there in Gilroy in that area that it was, it was pretty crazy. And, and to be able to, you know, talk and have them hear me was, yeah, they so actually cool. the first time figured out like, oh, that's what he's been doing this whole time. <laughs> they didn't know what you've been oh, doing for okay. the last 15 years. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it made him proud or embarrassed. I don't know. But Probably a little of both, but that's you're right. hundred percent. hundred percent. So you spend two years there. And you end up back in San Diego now where you've been on the air, which is you're going on 18 years. I'm sorry. No, you're yeah. going on yeah, 18 years. I'm doing the math right. That is correct. That's so I mean, what an amazing. This was, again, wildly unexpected. 
We were doing really well at KSGO. Things were good. Um, I was happy because I'm living close to home. I get to drive home on the weekends, have my dad's cooking. It was fantastic. And so um, I was very happy and was pretty content there. But my my heart had always been in San Diego. I loved living in San Diego. Like it was just a, like, you know, we had always said it was time of my life. It was living in paradise. Right. And so I always sort of had it in the back of my head. I'd like to end up back in San Diego somehow. I don't know how it will happen. I don't know if it will happen, but that would be my end goal was to sort of end up back in San Diego. So we're doing great in San Jose. And then we get a phone call from one of the higher ups and one of the higher ups in the, uh, in the company says Howard Stern is leaving terrestrial radio, which was shocking news. It was huge. And he was the morning show at Rock 105 in San Diego. And they said, what do you guys think, since you have a little bit of history in San Diego, of going back down, because San Diego is a bigger market than San Jose, and going down to San Diego and taking over the morning show in San Diego. And you also have a history of replacing Stern and doing well. So <laughs> Smoke jumpers. Yes, they're, they're throwing us right back right. into the fire. <laughs> and I said, well, it's tough because now I'm leaving my family and they're just getting used to me being around again and I'm seeing everybody and it's great, but I love San Diego, man. I love it so much. And so it was really, a, it was tough. I was being torn on two sides. But in the end, I thought to myself, I love San Diego. Um, this is a great station. I know the program director really well, uh, Shauna Moran, who I've, I knew you know for years. This is too big of an opportunity to say no to, and so we did. We ended up coming down here. And again, what what a leap! You're comfortable. You're back home. I have a tremendous amount of respect uh, all the way back from when you left Gilroy to go to Rochester. That you're just willing to pick up and do what it takes. And you know, it's it's a different. It was different radio was was a lot different back then where you did have to sort of cut your teeth and do what you had to do to get in the business and so so i was lucky enough to be able to work in a little bit larger markets whereas a lot of some of the guys that i've talked to in the business they've had to start in the very small markets and work their way up and you know take the the crap job and do whatever they had to do to, to make it up now you know it's a little bit different where it's you can kind of start in a big market if you have the right talent or the right person. And, you know, we're seeing people come from TikTok now and just yeah. starting radio. And you're like, wow, I don't know. I wish I would have had that when yeah. I was around. I you're you know, right. You're, you are correct. But I would say that there is something to be said for the education that you got, uh, whether it was, and I can't remember the gentleman's name that you're working for up in Rochester and, right. to, yeah. and to pick up you know, all these different aspects of the business and you went out and you did promotions and you, uh, you, you were very familiar with all different aspects of the business. And I think that sometimes not that there can't be something brought to our industry from someone from the outside. And I think it's always good to look at something, Mm -hmm. you know, through a different lens, but there is an institutional knowledge about how the industry works, which I think sometimes is overlooked and it is incredibly important. I agree with you. And, and it did, afford me a lot of different opportunities because I was sort of a jack of all trades is I don't think anybody would have ever offered me an operations manager job if I didn't know all the different aspects of the business. 
And I did. And so you need me for anything. Like I would, I would, you know, uh, sometimes have to run the board for Jeff and Jared, you know, and I, I need to know how to do that. I remember so, doing that one time when they were at the roller coaster and I was so nervous just running terrifying. the board for Jeff and Sherry. <laughs> terrifying. Absolutely up. terrifying. Yes, but you, you got to learn that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, you know, just knowing all those different aspects and how promotions works and how sales works and all that stuff, it makes you a better personality. It really does. So tell me a little bit about your, uh, your, your co-host. You've got uh, Sky. Where did Sky come from? So Sky was from San Jose. Okay. And she, she was on the show with us um, from, she was on the show from about 2000 on. And so, I mean, I've, I've literally worked with her and known her for 22 so years. When you moved down to San Diego, you brought her with you. So yes, when we came to San Diego, she came with us. Got it. And, and her parents, ironically enough, worked or lived down in San Diego. So oh, no kidding. So she knows out, the market. So she knows the market and she was familiar. She went to, Cal State San Marcos, which is a part of San Diego. And so she was very familiar with the area and stuff like that. So she didn't have a huge problem with moving either. So it was, wasn't terrible. And then Thor, tell me a little bit about Thor's background. Thor is an, was an intern of ours. Um, he, he came around about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And this kid was relentless. And Relentless, not necessarily in a good way. He actually reminded me of you a little bit, Chachi, where <laughs> he was a guy who was not going to give up, man. He he was always in our studio, always chatting our ears off. I mean, and we tortured the guy. We'd send him out, you know, make him do horrible things. And he, never, he loved it. If he got airtime, he loved it. He did not care. And so, you know, once his internship ran up, I didn't really have a job for him. And so I was able to, we were able to talk to the sports station. And this guy is a massive sports fan. He comes from New York. He's a big New York attitude guy. And so he loves his New York Giants, his Yankees, all that stuff. And he always thought he was going to be a sports guy, loves sports. So we sent him over to the sports station and he found out that he didn't like it. He couldn't really be himself. You know, he had to talk sports. And whereas he wants to talk about, he's got an opinion on everything. He's big New York attitude. And so um, there finally became an opening on our show. And I was talking to him and I said, well, what do you think? You want to come back and join the show full time? And he jumped at the chance. Oh, that's and great. So he became a full time member. He went from intern to full time member of the show and uh, was fit, has been on the show ever since. And it's just fantastic. That's fantastic. That is a, that's a great story. And I, I love the, really that it kind of reminds me of Matt Money Smith, but in the opposite direction, you know, he started as Kevin Bean sports uh, sports guy. And then he went on and he's, you know, still doing sports at 570. But yeah. I felt when he left uh, Kevin and Bean, it honestly kind of hurt the overall chemistry of the show. Cause he was such an integral part of that show, you know? Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. And then Emily who worked at star, she was there after, after me, but how did that come to be? So Emily it was on Jeff and Jer, and it was after both of us had left Star. But Emily was the receptionist at the uh, building when we came back in 04. So I knew her, hung out with her, partied with her, and you know all that stuff for a few years. Then she went on Jeff and Jer and joined their show. I see. And so, and then Jeff and Jer left the building, and so. I hadn't really kept in touch with her very much here and there. I'd say hi to her, but we didn't really talk very much. Again, an opening came up on our show. Jeff and Jer had gone off the air. And so she was looking for a job and I knew Emily. And so we, we met up and met with the crew and everybody. And we had instant 
chemistry and instant connection. And like I said, I, I had known her for years. And so I said, well, let's give it a shot. Now, the thing about Emily, which is so wild, is she was obviously one way with Jeff and Jerry. They sure. were talking soccer mom stuff, very lighthearted topics, things like that. That's not the Emily that's on our show. <laughs> the Emily on our show is the true Emily who is so crazy. And <laughs> the way she looks at life and she battles anxiety in a way that we can make funny and relatable. Right. Because uh, there's so many people that battle anxiety and they, they're hearing somebody who does the same way. But she does it in a, in a comedic way. And we have such a blast with it and such a blast with her and her parenting issues and all the things that you would not really ever expect somebody coming from the Jeff and Jerry world. She has brought, and we've been able to bring out of her. I say embrace the crazy. I love more, more crazy, the better on our show. Right. And so, because everybody sort of can relate to something on our show. Whereas, you know, I feel like I'm sort of the ringleader and I'm, you know, I got my own issues, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of the guy who's, you know, directing everybody. But Sky is is a whack job, and I love her to death. She's been my best friend for 22 years, but she's a whack job. And and Thor is the most opinionated human on earth. And then you got Emily over here. So everybody, I feel like the, way, the reason our show is successful is somebody can relate to somebody on the show. And I think we the, talk about everything. I think the casting of your show is absolutely superb. I was able to spend a little time, and I streamed it, and it reminds me. In I hope you appreciate this different format, but you know, spending some time in Dallas, I think you are a lot, believe it or not, like Kid Karatek. You do such yeah, an incredible, such an incredible job of pulling the personalities out from your, your co-hosts and letting them breathe and have personalities on their own. And you really, it, you can feel that what you guys are on air is very similar to what you are off the air. And I oh. was incredibly impressed. I can understand why the show does as well as it does. And I am blown away at how well it cast it is and just how good you all are. Thank you. That's a massive compliment. Uh, anybody that knows radio knows that Kid Craddock is a legend and uh, that show is legendary. So if I could even be mentioned in the same breath, I take that as a massive compliment. And again, I'm working in Dallas. I'm very well aware of that show. And so it, it, it is, it, it really is, uh, it's worked out really well. And, and the, the four of us are truly best friends. Like we hang out off the air as much as we do on the air. So, so it's not cool. like something that we have to go into a room and put on and, you know, pretend to like each other and the microphone's off. Everybody right. sort of sits there. <laughs> I mean, the great, crazier things happen off the air and we're laughing and goofing off and all this stuff off the air. And so that room, it's so vital to have that chemistry and to have that friendship. Otherwise I feel like in this day and age, people will hear right through that and totally. they'll know this doesn't sound that fun and this doesn't yep. sound because I mean, true friends, when you go, you talk about whatever you talk about your lives, you talk about whatever the biggest goofy story is. And you, you give your opinion and you talk like a normal human. So when I hear sometimes radio and they're not talking, like you would talk, like you and I are having a conversation right now. If I don't hear that and I hear it's forced, it, it makes me cringe. And I go, I don't think that's what the consumer wants anymore. They want real. They want uh, like the aspect of your lives and things like that and, and re relatability. I keep going back to that word, yeah. but that's, that's the hallmark of our show, I feel. 
I think you've got to work on those relationships like you would uh, a marriage. And you can look at morning shows. You know, Mark and Brian, who I had so much respect for, and I think a phenomenal morning show, but ultimately those relationship issues got in the way of the show and them, you know, being able to put on and continue to perform. And, um, you know, I, I think there's, you know, other shows that have broken up over time because of that. And I'm sure they've, you know, ridden off to the sunset and they've made uh, made money, but they stopped having fun. And at the end of the day, making money is one thing, but to continue to have fun and do what we get to do is something completely different. Well, that's what I came from. So I came from a show that was very dysfunctional and our host was kind of a mess. And when eventually he left and I became the host in 2010, I came from the world of producing. I came from the world of, you know, like not treating your staff the right way. And so my thought of running a show is always going to be the complete opposite of that. Everybody's going to have a voice. Everybody's going to feel like ownership of the show and the biggest key is we got to have fun is if we're not having fun in the morning, how is the audience having fun? And I I don't, I wouldn't want to listen to anything like that. And And so when you guys split and I know you guys were close, I mean, that must've been hard. It it really was because I, I, this is the friend that I've been referencing this whole time who got into radio first. He got me in the business. I've known him since I was 13 years old and He went through a lot of uh, life changes that I didn't necessarily uh, connect with anymore. And he went down a different path and at one point was brokering a deal to leave Rock 105, which is the station I've been on since 04. And at that time, I was also on the Chargers broadcast. So I did the Chargers pregame show for 14 years. And so I was was one of the pregame analysts on that show. And so to think that I was going to leave – and I had no say in my career. That's what ended up being the split is he brokered a deal with another wow. radio station, didn't consult any of us, thought that he could just sort of do that without telling any of us. And the radio station and the company said, well, we don't really like working with this guy. We like working with you guys. We're going to keep you and let him go. So that's how the split happened. And eventually I got named the host in 2010 and I kept doing the charges and all that, man, that's incredible. I didn't know all the background with with that story. Yeah. Yeah, Cause you guys were together for, you know, obviously you had a couple stops together along the way and uh, there was a lot of history and he, to his credit, incredible talent. Um, I just, uh, I didn't know how the whole thing uh, kind of went down. I appreciate you sharing that, but that absolutely makes a lot of sense, but that's got to feel incredibly good, man, to have the success that you've had to do it on your own and not, I mean, you have obviously incredibly capable uh, co-hosts and and an awesome family there. So I don't want to say you're doing it on your own, but you uh, have have done, you've really taken that baton and you've run, man. And it's impressive. Thank you. I I really do appreciate it. And and, and to this day, you know, now I've been the host of the show for 12 years and, and I still don't necessarily think I'm great at it or anything like that. I think where my talent lies is like I said, I'm able to direct and that comes from producing. Yes. And so being able, being able to, to know, okay, this conversation can stop and I can go to break here. That comes from that producer mindset and it has made me a better host and it has made me be able to recognize where bits are going and, and where to take different things. And, you know, I used to write questions for the interviews. So as far as interviewing different celebrities, I think I do a pretty good job of it because I used to do all that stuff as the producer. And so, you know, I really do come from a producer mindset still, even to this day, um, even though I've been a host on the air for 12 years, 
I still have that mindset. And in and some so ways, much like, like, much like Bert, Bert started as kids producer and has obviously gone on to have an amazing success. Yeah. Crazy callback to that, but yeah. yeah. And then, so glad, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, you know, that we've won the uh, best morning show six years going with the UT awards, not to toot my own horn, but the last two years I've been named the top radio personality uh, in the same awards thing. That's Congrats, man. And that, uh, from knowing where I came from and again, not having really that host experience and then last two years in a row winning the best radio personality, it, it's surreal to me. And I'm like, like me, really? Like it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm not trying to humble brag, but it really, that is honestly how I feel. Like I still don't want my name on the title. We have a very generic name of our show. We're called the show. I know. And I, I have that's why is because I don't need it to be the Eddie show. It's, I come from that spot of where yeah. I want, this is our show. This is our thing together that we've created. And so to win a solo award is very odd for me. And it's very surreal. Obviously it means the world to me, but um, that's, that's something that I just never expected or never sought out. I think it's incredibly cool. Um, the fact that you don't put your name in the marquee like that. I think, uh, again, going back to that, that kid karate analogy, um, in much like kids show went on and I never want this to happen to you, but it continued on after kids passing because yeah. he did such a good job of letting those characters define themselves. And it's, you know, continues to be successful to this very day. I can't think of a bigger compliment then if I retire or decide to get out of whatever at some point that the show continues, that to me is the biggest compliment in the world because we, we've now created something that lives past me and everybody wants their legacy to live past them. And so that, that would be the most incredible thing ever. I don't know if that would ever happen, but I mean, it really would be amazing. Well, you've uh, had an incredible uh, career, man, and I wish you just continued success. I've got a few just kind of fun fun questions for us, but uh, uh, you mentioned the Chargers. Were you heartbroken when they moved uh, to Los Angeles? So uh, devastated at the time, obviously, you sure. know, being part of the broadcast for so many years. And, uh, you know, it was on Rock 105. And so we, we loved having the, the, the partnership and working with them for so many years. Um, I'm not going to lie. I do enjoy having my Sundays back. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Being able to actually sit down and watch football every Sunday is, is fantastic. But it did hurt quite a bit. Uh, I did develop quite a few friendships with the different players. LaDainian Tomlinson, Philip Rivers, Eric oh, wow. Weddle, all these guys over the years became you know, fixtures of our show and we, we do training camp broadcasts and things like that. So all of that stuff as a football fan was, I mean, a dream come true for me. Yeah. And I so, bet. um, I do miss that. Aspect Remember that time when we went to chargers uh, training camp and I threw up. <laughs> this was, so for two, was it two years, Tashi, we had the chargers. I think, yeah, it was two yeah, years. I think it was. And the one year it was like, I think it was 1998. They decided to put the chargers on star. That's and right. the reason why they wanted to do that was they really wanted to build a female audience. And so I, they put me as the producer of the broadcast and they said they wanted to incorporate the different star personalities on the pregame show. So Laura Kane from Jeff and Jared had a yeah. segment. We had different people. And one of the things we decided to do was send Chachi down to training camp to do something with the team. And they put him through the gauntlet, <laughs> which 
was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life where you had to literally do all these different stations. Yeah, exactly. With the head coach at the time. Literally the head coach is telling you what to do. And it was Kevin Gilbride. That's right. And Kevin you, Gilbride. I felt so bad for you because you lasted, you know, not minute, that long. Yeah, minute and a half, maybe. <laughs> you, you went over and lost your lunch. And it was hysterical. On Kevin Gilbride's shoes. <laughs> it, was, it was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. But it was incredible. Charlie. It was good radio. <laughs> you were a gamer, though. You were a gamer. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about uh, your family. I know that uh, you're active in coaching Little League uh, for your son. Oh, it's great, man. Like uh, I've, I've been married 15 years uh, to my beautiful wife, Deborah, and I have two amazing kids. I have a daughter, Taylor, who's 13, which, you know, she's the sweetest, most brilliant kid in the world, uh, but 13. So she's now going through crazy stuff. Um, so <laughs> to deal with that, that's fun as a dad, although it does make good content. Um, and then my son is 10. His name is Jack. And I've been his Lily coach for, gosh, this is my seventh year now. Um, and now I'm, I'm actually his manager now. The last couple of years, I've, I've taken over the manager duties. And How that's fun. a blast, man, because I love working with kids. I really love kids. And to be able to coach them and, and coach them, obviously, my own son, uh, has just been one of the, the joys of my life, to be honest with you. I, yeah, I, and to get, get back like that, man, is important. I know it's a uh, lot of work to coach or to manage. It, it is. It's a yeah. huge time commitment, but I don't care because, like I said, when you love something, it doesn't matter. And I love it. Obviously, love my son and sure. being able to spend time with him and things like that. It's just been phenomenal. That's awesome, man. Um, tell me, uh, I know we've talked about a few, but uh, if you could name a mentor, uh, the, name one that was probably the single most influential uh, throughout your career. Gosh, man. Uh, yeah, I definitely had a few. Tracy, uh, just like for you, um, was such an influence for me and to see the way that that guy's mind worked and, and not settling for small Everything we did was massive yeah. and having that sort of mindset of like, okay, well, we can do this little thing over here or why don't we blow it up and make this giant thing and make it awesome and memorable. And so I will always remember that and I will always uh, take his words of wisdom with me. And, and he was always a major influence with me. Uh, like I said, my program director, Shauna, I've been with her for you know, gosh, 20 some years now. And so she's, uh, she's always been in great for me. And my, my newest one, to be honest with you, um, I I've been friends with this man for a while, but it wasn't until this last trip to Chicago that I really got to know and really bond with Paul Castronovo from Miami. Who is a le he's the king of Miami. He's sure. a legendary. He's been on their air there for 30 plus years. Incredible and we had a dinner together and just picking his brain because he works in rock radio too, and so we we have a lot of uh, similarities with how we run a show and and how we we do uh, radio. And just to really have that moment and bond together was phenomenal for me. And and now we're in communication quite a bit. And I mean, we're talking trips to Italy together and all these different. Oh, wow, that's things. great! Got a whole uh, so, romance. <laughs> I mean, really, it kind of spurned, you know, out of nowhere. And I'm like, man, this is great. And and just to be able to pick a guy's brain who is a little bit older than me and who's been through the wars and things like that, he, I'm immediately looking at him as like a mentor for sure. I think I think having mentors like that are so incredibly important. I owe a lot of my career to uh, to the mentors that I've had around me. 
It's know? cool Tra- it, well, about Tracy is that Tracy's still available for us, Chachi. And, yeah. and yeah. the fact that we could call that guy anytime. And I mean, he, he, he will always pick up and he's always going to be there for us. And, and I can't tell you how much I respect that. My last question for you, what is your advice? I think uh, we can all say we need more youth in this business, more uh, younger people that are interested in it. I think, unfortunately, as an industry, we've shot ourselves in the foot to a degree because we do not have that bench strength that we really need to have. And so what would be your advice? Because there are young people that are very interested. It's just that I don't think we give them the opportunities uh, that we once had, like you and I, to uh, to you know, to internship or to yeah. you know, help ride bits or whatever it was. So, what would your advice it, be? It, this is a big thing for me. Um, it's a it's a big top of conversation that I brought up at morning show boot camp, and me and uh, Mojo from Mojo in the morning in Detroit, we we had a long conversation about this. About we don't have a farm system anymore. Is is they've gotten rid of the intern program, which absolutely kills me because I can't tell you how many kids have come through an internship on our show over the years who've now gone on to be something in the business. Yeah, Thor, Thor being one of them, right? Thor is a yeah. massive example yeah. of being an intern and now being part of the show for now eight, nine years. I mean, it's crazy. We've had people go on to be programmers and people go on to have their own shows and all these incredible things. And I look at it now and I go, well, wh- where is the next generation going to come from? And maybe it is social media. Maybe it is, uh, you know, doing your own YouTube thing and, and really practicing your chops and hosting a show and things like that. I don't know. Um, my advice is always going to be the same as never give up is to, if you really have a passion for the business, that's what we look for as, as people in the industry. We look for people that, this is what they want. It's not that I want to be famous. It's not that I want to be a, an influencer. It's I, I love radio. I love the art form of radio. And this is what I want to do. And if that's what you want to do, it will be seen. So you have to get in the building. And getting in the building could mean working in our promotions department, becoming a board op, something. Just get in the building and then use whatever uh, thing you can to make yourself better. We have obviously access to great equipment in radio stations. So get in there and practice. And, and you know, you have the access to all of the things, all the tools that you need to become a good, whether it is air personality or DJ or whatever it is you want to do. It, it's possible, but you got to get in the building. That's my, my biggest piece of advice. Great advice, man. Thank you so much, Eddie, for taking the time. Uh, Eddie Papani, uh, man, really, really happy for you. Congrats on all your success, and uh, thank, thank you. Thank you, Chachi. I couldn't be prouder of you, man. Working with you back then, thinking of where you are now, I, I never would have guessed it, to be honest with you. <laughs> but, man, like, I'm telling you right now, like I, I, I brag about you all the time. I tell all my friends, like you would not believe this kid – who I used to work with, what he's doing now, it's, it's honestly mind-blowing. Um, but, man, I'm telling you, like I, I think what you've been able to accomplish, I, I can't Thanks. tell you how proud I am of you. Thanks, well. man. I think in a lot of ways I was just able to draft off of that success that Star had. I was very fortunate. If you look at go back and you look at Jagger and Christie who are on in San Diego, um, obviously Tracy's Tracy and uh, incredibly successful with his consulting career. What you're, You've got your own morning show and are crushing it. Um, uh, so many people went on Greg, who we spoke about earlier, is, you know, doing amazing on here in uh, K-Earth. And um, so many people out of that 
company and out of that station went on to have, I think, incredible success. And I owe a lot of it to Tracy and to what I learned during those days. It's, it's honestly true. That was yeah. a legendary lineup. And, you know, us who were kind of the scrubs of the station, you know, did go on to, to be able to do our own thing. And it is that was kind of the catapult to get us to where we are now. My so, gosh, yeah, and I, I almost completely forgot, my apologies, but this is the bonus question. Uh, talking about legends that uh, were at Star, uh, obviously, who can forget Little Tommy, who uh, produced for Jeff and Jerry for many years. He now has a show called On the Air. Uh, what station is it on, Eddie? It's a television show. Uh, on KUSI. Uh, it's a TV station down here, a local TV station. And you and Shotgun Tom have guest hosted that show more than anybody else. Uh, but yeah. I, it's full circle, man. It's my first gig in San Diego with Shotgun Tom, and it, we're still seeing each other and been on that show. And yeah, little Tommy, who you know, obviously we worked together at Star, have remained friends all these years, and he's he's another guy that I've you know leaned on over the years for different things and. Um, the fact that he keeps asking me back on the show is I, I am honored every time I get asked to be on that show. And it's one of the things it's, it's so different cause it's TV, you know? And so every time I go on it, I'm like, okay, well, what kind of memorable weird thing can I do now? Because <laughs> I'm like, what do I care? You know I mean? This isn't my normal job. So I'm going to be goofy as I'll get out on that show. And I try to try to say things or, or act as crazy as possible on that show. Um, but it's a blast. It really is a fun show. What about, can we see that uh, if we're not in San Diego on YouTube or is it available? I on believe so. I believe okay. they do post it on YouTube and I know they have a Instagram, Facebook page, all that different stuff. Eddie, thank you so much for joining us, man. Really appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate you, Chachi. Thanks for listening to Chachi Loves Everybody. If you like the show, we hope you leave us a five-star rating and tell your friends. Please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This has been a Benstown McVeigh podcast production. Hosted and researched by Dave Chachi Dennis. Executive producer, Darren Silva. Producer and editor, Jake Urbanic. Show coordinator, Estefania Padilla. Marketing and distribution, Suzanne Aksu and Robbie Gessel.